0: Welcome to HACCP Mentor, where it's all about helping you make your food business compliance easier. Sit back and relax as we get our food safety, HACCP, and quality compliance on. Welcome to my first podcast of 2020. I'm Amanda Evans-Lara from HACCP Mentor. Now, I regularly receive how-to questions from people working in the food industry, The whole HACCP Mentor Ask Me series is about providing those answers to your food safety, quality, and also business compliance questions. To save me just helping one person, hopefully, I can help a lot of people with answering these questions on this type of podcast. To kick off episode one, I'm going to cover how to complete a risk assessment related to obtaining a compliance exemption. Now, this seen before is a bit tricky for some people to do. Joanne, who's located in Chesterfield in Michigan, she's about to start her company's annual assessment. So her company is a bakery and it's certified to SQF and Joanne asked for input in how does she comply with the SQF requirement 2.4.2.1. So first let's see exactly what the standard requires before I get into the how to or how your food business can comply with this requirement. 2.4.2.1 of the SQF Manufacturing Standard basically states that the site shall ensure the good manufacturing practices described in Modules 3, 4, 9, 10 or 11 so whichever one applies to your business for the Food Safety Code are either applied or exempted according to a written risk analysis, which outlines any justification for exemption or evidence of the effectiveness, say, of an alternative control measure, which ensures that the food safety is not going to be compromised. So what does this actually mean? The way that the SQF code has been written for all of these sections is that the clauses are based on an industry sector. So hopefully if you've been doing SQF for a while, you'll understand this. If not, it's it's a good idea to go through and read the standard. However, the problem with this is not all manufacturing sites in a particular industry sector will actually undertake all of the stated GMP processes that they have outlined. For example, a business might not have cold storage. Therefore, by logic, they would not have to comply with the requirements for cold storage. But unfortunately, the SQF reference to, let's say, applied or exempted according to a written risk analysis is not really aligned to what we know in the food industry as being a risk analysis as per ISO 31000. So because of this, the action to take may be a little bit confusing. In brief, all it's asking you to do is to show due cause and to document What is relevant to your business and what's not relevant when it comes to these GMP programs, so those good manufacturing practices. To go through and satisfy this clause of SQF 2.4.2.1, there's a couple of things that we need to go through and do. The first thing that I recommend is that you list all of the clauses just in a table and then Based on that, you would go through and determine what GMPs are applicable to your business based on whatever requirements of the code, the code category that your business falls under. You can really just do a simple yes or no. Do you need to have it? Do you not need to have it? If you go through and you answer no to any of those GMP requirements, you need to provide a reason or a justification why the clause does not apply. This is very similar if you're in the US and you have to do FISMA with your food safety plan or your risk assessment has analysis. There's a requirement there that you have to write a justification why you think something's a preventive control or why you think it's not a preventive control. So it's a similar kind of thought process. If you answer no to any of the GMP requirements or GMP categories, You need to provide that reason or justification why the clause doesn't apply. Now, if you answer yes to any of these and your food business wants to implement an alternative control, different from the one that's been listed in the actual clause, you will need to then state what the control is. You really need to keep in mind the identification of the hazard that is trying to be controlled. So the designation of an alternative control is where it starts to get a little bit tricky and this is what triggers the need for true risk analysis to be undertaken. I'll give you an example. Clause 3.6.5.2 in the SQF Manufacturing Code states that processing utensils and packaging shall not be stored in areas used to store hazardous chemicals and toxic substances fairly straightforward. Don't store your chemicals where your packaging and your processing utensils are going to be stored. To comply with this, you wouldn't store those processing utensils and packaging wherever there's any kind of hazardous chemicals or toxic chemicals or where they're being stored. This makes sense because we obviously we want to prevent the chemical contamination of those utensils and packaging. So the chemical ending up on those packaging and utensils. Now, maybe by some bizarre logic, you believe that you can better control this potential for chemical contamination via some other method. So let's say your alternative control is going to be to clean all of your processing utensils and packaging prior to use. Bit bizarre, but maybe that's what you've decided you're going to do. The thought process being, if by chance utensils did become contaminated, It is all good because we're going to clean it before use anyway. So you're going to remove that contamination. It's all about assessing is that going to be a viable alternative around are we actually reducing the risk of that chemical contamination ending up in the product that we produce to get our customer. When you do this actual risk analysis, you need to include certain things. So firstly, you would include the hazard so the hazard being chemicals, whether it come from cleaning chemicals or pest control chemicals or or whatever chemicals that you have, you know, you want to store in that same area. The cause of the hazard, so what's caused the chemical contamination or the chemical to end up on the packaging or the processing utensils. The likelihood of that hazard occurring and the consequence of that hazard occurring. And then the overall risk of the hazard, so based on your chosen risk analysis tool, whatever one that you use in your business, you would actually need to go through and validate that your alternative method of control will actually work. That's what validation is, what we do before we make the product. So how do we know that, say cleaning from our example here, cleaning all of the utensils and the packaging prior to use is going to eliminate the risk of chemical contamination? We have to do that validation. Once you've done your validation, you'll go through as part of your implementation process for this control, the control being we're going to wash our packaging and utensils. Your business would need to have documented procedures, your verification checks in place and those verification checks should be all around, should be there to support that the control has actually been implemented and it's being effective and you would also have to have staff training in place. Any records or documentation, they need to be available to support whatever method you've implemented. Okay, hopefully my explanation has helped to demystify your compliance responsibilities for that clause 2.4.2.1. Again, as it relates to seeking an exemption from complying with a particular GMP requirement in a standard, Now, it might not just be SQF that has this requirement. There may be some of the other GFSI standards which basically say if you want to do something different to what we're suggesting, as long as you do a risk analysis and the same outcome is to have a safe product, well, that's fine, but you just have to have the justification for it. And we actually have that in some legislations around the world. If you have that justification and the validation, it's okay to do whatever method is that you want to do an alternative to a big thank you to joanne for sending in the question and thank you for listening to the first episode of ask me if you've got a question to ask just like joanne did all you have to do is go to hasitmentorcom backslash ask me and click on the submit question button You can leave your question there for me to review, and who knows, your question could be in the spotlight in an upcoming episode of Ask Me. Until next time, stay safe. You've been listening to HACCP Mentor. For all your food business, HACCP, quality, and food safety compliance tools, check out our website at www.haccipmentor.com. You can also find all the links and resources mentioned in the show notes to this episode.